What bothers me, John, is Mike Evans keeps doing these running full sprint shots to the back of Lattimore. It's the second time it's happened. He did it again in this game when it was really Lattimore and Brady having a beef. Oh, yeah, a lot to get to with that bleep show between Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, Tom Brady. We'll get to that here coming up a little bit later in the show. But first and foremost, it's the Saints Wire podcast. Ryan O'Leary here playing host, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend John Sigler of USA Today's Saints Wire. Uh, John, I think we're going to have a tone change on this show, right? Uh, I think last week, tone was a little bit more positive. It was easy to feel good about the Saints after week one, right? When you win. It was easier to ignore how badly the offense performed against the Falcons for a lot of that game because of everything that went down in the fourth quarter, right? So I think we were pretty happy last week recording the show, but now when you combine these two games, you've really only had one good quarter of football from your offense in eight quarters, and that's not a good percentage, right? One out of eight. I'm not a math guy, uh, but that's not a good percentage. So I think our tone's going to change a little bit this week, unfortunately, coming off a tough loss to the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, we, we've got to break out the disappointed dad voices here. Uh, this, 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 this is rough, you know. Um, you can't go out and play seven quarters of uh, ugly football across two weeks the way the Saints team has and hope to come out ahead. You know, you, the offense has got to execute. They cannot keep wasting these um, strong performances from the defense. And, and you cannot have these killer mistakes from special teams that we're seeing. Uh, that kind of piled up for the Saints. That's kind of, kind of an, that's kind of an under um, dead uh, plot there. So hopefully we can touch touch, touch on that a bit uh, and find find ways for the Saints to improve. They, they, they've they've got to get back in a hurry and get back to a winning record. Yeah, let's start with the offense. Then we'll get to Mike Evans here in a, in a little bit uh, because Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore. There's a lot there. We're gonna there's a lot of meat on that bone, John, as I like to say. Right. So we'll get on that. Yeah. But let's look into me number one, baby. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Banned from barbecue joints. Go on Saints Wire. Some good stuff on Saints Wire about that. Uh, we'll get to it. But I want to start with the health of the quarterback because you always say this to me. For we've been doing this for three years now, John. You always talk about the Sunday morning news drop, and that wasn't just a Sean Payton thing. This is still going on with the Saints, right? Sunday morning before the game, news drops about Jameis reportedly about to play the game with four fractures in his back, and it's like what, what? What? And then it's like, no, but Jameis is going to play. He's going to be in pain, but he's not going to get hurt anymore. And it's like, what? You know, it's like you're you're just like, all of a sudden you're worried that the quarterback's not healthy enough to go out there and play. Now you have to appreciate Jameis's toughness. But give me your take on that news drop. Jameis, now it's all making sense. You mentioned after that Falcons game last week how he was talking about he was in pain, right? The reporters asked him how he was feeling, and he said, I'm in pain. There's pain everywhere. I think we now know why. He's got fractured vertebrae. Uh, so Jameis is clearly injured. He's playing through it, but it wasn't good on Sunday, right? It wasn't good quarterback play. It wasn't good offense um, overall. So what's your take on the news drop and Jameis playing hurt and where we go from here? Oh, man, that that was the throwback. I mean, that, you, you think one minute you think that, hey, the Dennis Allen era, um, you know, everything's going to be very straightforward up front. Uh, no, no, no big surprises or nothing. And then it's just like old times. You've got Sean Payton's BFF, Jay Glazer, uh, dro- uh, dropping 35 minutes before kickoff that, hey, your starting quarterback is a four-cracked vertebrae in his back. So um, he, he's crazy. He's, 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 yeah, he, he, all, all week he's, he's been trying out different pads to try and find those that are, that are most comfortable, that protect his uh, lower back the best. And it's like, what in the world? I mean, we knew that Jameis had a back injury. He was listed as a limited participant in practice on the injury report all three days last week. Uh, we did not know the severity here. 
And as um, one of our contributors, Matthew Hudak, broke down on the site on, on Saintswire for us, uh, this is a pretty big deal for a quarterback because it's a, it's a lower back injury. It's the L1 to L4 vertebrae. And that's exactly where your torso is twisting and turning to put torque behind a pass every time you wind up the throw. And that's, that is a real challenge for James to get over. And I know that it's been, you know, the, the team itself, I mean, even, even Jameis himself has said, like, it, it's a pain tolerance issue. And that is true. Like, it, 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 it's him, you know, gritting his teeth and fighting through it. But there is a real um, mechanical uh, functionality problem here where he's struggling with this. And it, it, it's something that you hope is going to improve over time. Um, I saw in the Orleans Cup football, Nick Underhill report that he's expected to be past it. Uh, before kickoff with the Panthers. So hopefully this is a temporary issue for him. But we saw it in the game. There were passes that he routinely makes. You know, all these deep shots to uh, Chris Olave. And we'll talk about him We'll talk about him in greater detail later on. But over and over again, Janice is trying to link up with Olave deep downfield on open looks that he normally makes. And those passes are just off the mark and failing incomplete and getting intercepted. The worst thing that can happen, and, and he knows that, um, and I do think it's because he's, he's not right. And just like what, what really bugs me here is that the Saints were, had enough foresight to keep Alvin Kamara out of this game with a rib injury. Uh, but they said, well, we're, we're going to ride the ship with Jameis. And even if he's not fully healthy, even, even if we're seeing uh, problems in his mechanics here, we're, we're going to make him go out and play. And I, I wrote about this immediately after the game. Jameis is not, you know, it's not like he doesn't have a say here. He, if, if his body's not right, he can choose to take him out of the game, take himself out, uh, out, out of the game, and say so he, he just he just he can't go this week. Um, but he's not going to do that. That's not how NFL quarterbacks are wired. Um, my favorite Drew Brees anecdote is whenever he he was first coming up with the Chargers, and the uh, veteran at the time, oh gosh, who who was this? Um, this, this older quarterback who told him, "Don't ever let anybody take your spot." Uh, because as soon as somebody else takes it from you, you're never getting it back. And I really think that's probably how Jameis feels with Andy Dalton right behind him. And I think that's kind of the same. Yeah, Doug Flutie. But yeah, that, that, that's who it was who, who who gave Breeze that advice early in his career. And I'm pretty, I imagine he imparted that on Jameis Winston at some point over the last few years. Um, so at that at that point, it becomes a coaching decision, and it's like. Dennis Allen probably should have stepped in and said hey, after that, after those first couple of drives, and you could see that Jameis was not right and he was not throwing well and he was having problems. He probably should have pulled him out of the game and and put Dalton in. That that's why the, that's why the Saints invested in Andy Dalton this year. So it, it's disappointing to me that it played out that way. Um, I think this probably looks very differently if the Saints pulled uh, Winston in the first quarter. And he doesn't end up with throwing three interceptions, but that, that's the course they chose to take and the risk that they chose to take on. And now they've kind of dug a hole for themselves. So let's see if they can dig themselves out of it. Yeah, I think you hit on it there. You actually answered my question for me, John, because I was going to ask you, should the Saints consider shutting Jameis down in an attempt to get him feeling right and so he can play quarterback the way he's supposed to, right? Because I, I agree with you. If you give him the option, I don't think Jameis is checking out of the game. Jameis, is, he might be a yeah. lot of things. He's an interesting guy. Uh, personally, I, I like Jameis. I think he's easy to root for, uh, but he's not, he, he's not, I mean, he's tough. That's what I'm trying to say. He is tough. Like he's not going to, uh, take himself out. If you, if you give him the option, he's not leaving the game. 
So maybe you have to take him, you have to take the decision out of his hands, right? But the Saints didn't want to do that. And as you mentioned, it's just the inaccuracy, short and deep, and feeling the rush, right? That was just, he was seeing the rush and he was inaccurate. And those are uh, a recipe for disaster against the defense of the Bucks, which they rush you, they cover you. They're good at every level. They're just a good defense, and they, and they cause problems. And yeah, when the quarterback's not, yeah, and when the defense and when the offense is not right, when the quarterback's not right, it's really hard to score and beat that team when you have Tom Brady on the other side. So, uh, yeah, the Jameis Winston news drop on on the severity of that back injury. You can't make this crap up, John. Jay Glazer Sunday morning. It just it's like clockwork. Uh, but would you would you I, want them to I'm, shut I'm, down Jameis? Yeah, and I'm I'm going to start setting my clock. Got I think there's a Sunday morning flash support. I think that's the way to go from here on out. Yeah, you just got to keep a spot on Saints Wire right for it for that. You know, right? Boom! It's going to yeah. go in that spot on Saints Wire. You know, it's coming. Uh, would you Would you want to sh- Would you want the team to shut Jameis down if his if he hasn't improved? Right? If he's still still feeling that much in pain, if he's still impacted that much, would you want to see him shut down against the Panthers? I would need to to see it in practice for a few days and see if he's improved. Um, see yeah. if, you know, can't really tr- really lean on the medical staff here. You know, all summer the Saints were talking about the, these new trainers that they hired from Alabama, these new sports science um, executives and, and everyone um, coming in to revamp the, tra- the training staff. And I think this is a case where you've really got to listen to those guys and uh, take, take their advice in mind and then make the, make the best, most educated uh, decision possible. So, it's definitely something I would consider after last game, but I mean, from what's being reported, this this is this is sounding like like a one week issue. I, it would be surprising to me to learn that the vertebrae can heal in the space of a week like yes. that. Yes, um, isn't it? But it's, yeah, but it, but if that is the case, then let's let's see how it goes. Um, so I'm not going to say here on Wednesday that they should bench Jameis this week and play Dolphin instead. Uh, but that is something I would consider. And, and if I had more information, then yeah, I, I would be prepared to make, make a call on that. That story breaks on Sunday morning. And I, the first person I thought of is you, John. I'm like, John tells me this all the time. He says, <laughs> this is going to happen. And of course, here's the news. And yeah, the, the, the most amazing thing to, to me was that uh, Jameis had four fractured vertebrae, but there's no risk of further injury. I was like, huh? What? That? So again, people should definitely check out Maddie's article on Saints Wire. She knows her stuff. And uh, some good stuff there. And like I said earlier with the Mike Evans thing, Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans suspension that was upheld for cheap shotting Lattimore in this game after he was ejected. Uh, So Evans is suspended for a game. I want to get into this, but there's a lot of meat on this bone. So let's take our break now and then we'll get into Mike Evans. Uh, So before we get into that, our friends over at thehuddle.com, they're going to give us our fantasy plays of the week. Get Mike Evans out of your lineup. He's suspended, folks. And then John and I will be back to talk about the fracas. That broke out between the Bucks and Saints last weekend. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with the Huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number three. Quarterback Jared Goff, Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. While it has been a small sample size, Goff has shown enough in the first couple of weeks to give gamers a little bit of hope that he could be a streaming option in week three. He has six touchdown passes versus just one interception and is coming off a QB6 finish a week ago. And there's a pretty good shot at a multi-touchdown effort from Goff, and don't be shocked if he approaches 300 yards. 
Indianapolis Colts running back Naheem Hines versus the Kansas City Chiefs. If the Chiefs can hang points early and force Indy to abandon the running game, this could be a big week for Hines through the air. Despite what we've seen through two games, we're inclined to give Indy a little more credit, especially if star linebacker Shaquille Leonard can get back into the mix. There's even more upside for Hines if wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. isn't available once more. Either way, Kansas City has given up the most receptions and the third highest yardage outputs to running backs through the air this season. Hines is a reasonable PPR play out of the flex spot. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers, Patriots versus Ravens. The favorite target of quarterback Mac Jones has a fine matchup ahead, and that's not an overreaction to what Miami did to Baltimore in Week 2. Baltimore gave up four different wide receiver performances of at least 8.7 PPR points to the Jets in Week 1, including a 6-catch, 77-yard showing by Corey Davis, which should be in line with Myers' floor in this one, especially if the Ravens can jump out to a substantial lead. Los Angeles Rams tight end Tyler Higby at Arizona Cardinals. While his career has been defined by inconsistency, we've seen enough through two games to suggest that he'll continue to be involved in the offense at least to a large enough degree to warrant fantasy consideration. His 20 targets lead all tight ends, and his 26.3% target share is number two at the position. Only two tight ends have more than his 12 receptions. Meanwhile, Arizona has allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends by a wide margin, despite being one of the strongest units in 2021. Ride the hot hand and take advantage of the match while you can. For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. So no real surprises here, John, that there was a fight between the Saints and the Bucks. These, these teams just don't really care for each other. They've had plenty of heated battles over the years, and this was no different. Uh, but I do want to push back a little bit on the people thinking that Mike Evans getting suspended for a game for this thing. Like Tom Brady said it on his podcast. He said it was ridiculous that Mike Evans got suspended and I want to push back on that first and foremost. I think I don't think it was ridiculous at all. What bothers me, John, is Mike Evans keeps doing these running full sprint shots to the back of Lattimore. It's the second time it's happened. He did it again in this game when it was really Lattimore and Brady having a beef. Evans comes out of nowhere, basically from the sideline and just sprints in and decks Lattimore from the back. And Mike Evans has got to get that thing out of his game. He's got to stop doing that. I just want to push back on that. That was one one thing I wanted to say off the bat. I thought Mike Evans deserves the one-game suspension. I'm glad it got upheld. I think that that's right. I don't think it should have been multiple games, but I think one game for sure. He needs to sit out a game. Uh, but what you what's your take on the whole thing that went down? I know uh, Saints fans can't be happy, and I don't know if Mike Evans is welcome uh, to step foot in New Orleans again right now, John. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. Um, it's, not, not, it's not great, Bob, yeah. Um, Evans, like you said, he has a history of this, of, of taking these cheap shots, of um, j- just lashing out and throw, throwing hands whenever he, he gets frustrated and can't beat a guy. And I understand it. Like, he, he's a four-time pro bowler. He is the leading receiver in Bucks history. And Marshawn Lattimore just takes him out of the game seemingly every time they play each other. And, and he gets mad and upset by it and loses his cool and he can't control his emotions. And he, he's got to be more of a pro in those situations. 
Um, so does Tom Brady and not inciting this question in the first place. Um, and Leonard pulled that by, by making it visible or physical, excuse me, and throwing hands when, when he probably shouldn't be. Um, it's, it, it's, it's an ugly look for everybody involved. Like this is two weeks in a row where Marshawn Lattimore has, you know, been involved in a pretty nasty high leverage situation. You know, think back to, uh, the week before he's the, his, uh, it was, an under, it was either a unnecessary rupture foul or a personal foul was at the end of the regulation against the Falcons is what set up their field goal to try and win the game. Unfortunately, um, the Saints blocked that, but they, they only had that opportunity because of his penalty at the end of the game. And then here again, he's involved with uh, the fight. And, you know, I don't want to say that I don't want to blame him unfairly for that because I very much believe he was a victim in this fight. Like, Evans streaking in off the sideline and, and cold stocked him and attacked him out of nowhere, un, un, unprovoked. Um, just really weak, weak sauce, um, garlic parmesan wings, uh, that, that kind of move. Like, get out of here with that. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's weak. It's, uh, I've watched a lot of Game of Thrones. It's very craven of him. Um, he, he's got to be a bigger person in that moment. And until he does that, this is going to keep happening. And he didn't learn, I, I hope that he would learn something. From this uh, being suspended this week, but he didn't learn anything from the first suspension. I mean, this is the second time he's had to miss a game and hurt his team, and he's just sitting there like, "Oh well, it's, it's Tom Brady. What do you want me to do?" And uh, he, he's a weak dude, and it, it's really hard to respect him when this is how he conducts himself. Now I was watching the Red Zone Channel, so I don't think I got the full thing, but it looked like Marshawn said something to Brady, and then Brady said, "Hey, you know, f you, you know, go f yourself," type thing, as Brady likes to do, and then. And then that's how it got, it got. But you actually told me that you saw in the film that Brady actually marched down the field and, and wanted to exchange words with Lattimore and then was pissed when Lattimore responded to him, which is just like, come on, Tom, if you're going to go find yeah, Lattimore on the I've, field, he's got to respond. Yeah, from, from what I've seen, uh, it was after the play, Brady throws, throws across the field uh, towards the Bucks bench. And that's where uh, Lattimore breaks up the ball or, or the, 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 it's incomplete, but the play is over at that point. And Brady's walking back to the bench, uh, walking towards Lattimore in route there, and says something to him in passing. Lattimore responds, and Brady loses it, loses his cool. Cause I guess he expected Lattimore to just stand there and take it. I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm not the protagonist of reality like Tom Brady is, so I, I don't know what, what everybody else is thinking all the time. Um, he lost his cool and started screaming and cussing and all this, and Leonard Fournette uh, rushed over to, to defend his quarterback that started this uh, incident. <laughs> And he, he, he shoved Lattimore away, Lattimore shoved back, and that's when Evans uh, torpedoed the whole situation. So, you know, it, it's a situ- it, there, there's a saying down here in the South, uh, if, you don't want, if you don't start none, there won't be none. And I think that's kind of what's happening here. Um, um, if, if, if we don't want these fights, then Tom Brady doesn't need to be um, yelling at his opponents after the play, and Fournette doesn't need to be making a physical, and Mike Evans certainly doesn't need to be cheat-shotting dudes um, and then, then getting dapped up in the locker room. Uh, that's just not how it needs to work. So you, you, you hope that they will learn something from this, but if they haven't learned yet, then I'm not very optimistic they will this time. Yeah, I think Mike Evans probably sees a chance to cheap shot Lattimore where it might be viewed okay by fans and people in his circle, and he took it. So, um, yeah, yeah, like you said, weak sauce. It wasn't a good look for Evans. I hated the running start. That thing just bothers me. If he was in the middle of it with, with Fournette and they were shoving, fine. It's the running start and the blindside hit that is just, it's hard to watch. It is. So because yeah, of that, Mike I Evans, know, oh, go ahead. 
I, I know high school football coaches who, if they saw one of their players do that, that, that would be the last time that guy wears the helmet. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't do that. And obviously it's a very different situation when, when you're someone with the resumes that Mike Evans has. Um, but this is also this is a, this is a situation where a good coach would step in and discipline his, his players and say, hey, we, we don't do that here. And instead, you've got Bruce Arians walking around with a lanyard uh, egging it on. And that, Todd Bowles just saying, oh, well, we'll handle it internally and, and, and just kind of leaving it at that. And I don't know, man. I, you know, look, the, the Bucks have been trying to force this rivalry for so long. Um, if they're just determined to make it a thing and just play heel uh, long enough until everyone starts to hate them, then by all means, go for it. I'm not going to stop them. That, that makes my job easier uh, whenever the Saints uh, sweep them every year for six years. Um, so we'll, we'll, I, I wish them well in their endeavors. Let's see if they can, uh, you know, meet the Saints back to back for the first time in probably my lifetime. <laughs> well, well, the story people are going to want to check out on Saints Wire is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Blue Oak Barbecue has banned Evans for life, John. So that that's an article that fans are eating up. Uh, Pun intended yeah. on Saints Wire. So check that one out for sure. Uh, Mike Evans, banned for life from Blue Oak Barbecue. Uh, I think, you know, another big point in this game was not only the skirmish, the fight, John, the brawl, whatever you want to call it. It was what happened after, right? The Bucks scored 17 points after that in the, the defense of the Bucks forced four turnovers. And that's what happened. Like, right, the, the Saints started turning it over. The Bucks started scoring. And all of a sudden, after this fight, the Bucks had the game in hand. And they're just kind of, you know, we're just playing out the string in the fourth quarter. So um, that was disappointing, right? One team kind of responded uh, to the to the skirmish and the other one didn't, which is maybe that explains why the Bucks think, you know, maybe that's why they were dapping it up with Mike Evans. Maybe they thought that kind of helped propel them over this this voodoo thing. They can't, you know, they can never figure out yeah, the Saints. Maybe, it was going that way again. Maybe so. You know, I'm sure that was very invigorating for their sideline. And I, I would like to say that the, the game ter- to me turned the, se- the the possession before this, and that's where the Saints' offense was driving downfield. They had some rhythm going. Ingram was running really well, and then I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was Levante David made it just a great play to uh, punch a fumble out of out of Ingram's hand, um, and he, he he was carrying it high and high and tight. You know, he he was holding the football the way your coach to hold it. And the defender just made a great play and forced the fumble inside Bucks territory, and they, they took over. And then we had the possession that ended with the uh, yeah, Evans uh, starting a fight. Um, and after that, it was off to the races. You know, uh, the Tampa Bay they, they scored their first touchdown of the day. Jameis uh, was pressured to keep up. There were a couple of picks, um, and that that was it. That 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 was the story. But to me, uh, to me, the the fight was not like the, the turning point in this game. Uh, it, it was Ingram fumbling. Uh, they're deep in Tampa Bay territory at like their 19 yard line, I think. Um, and t- to me, that that was like uh, this. This is it, and that's really unfortunate because this is two weeks in a row where Mark Ingram has fumbled um, to open the season. And you know, it's not like the Saints are in a position to say, "Hey, we're going to bench you and play somebody else," because they don't really have any other running backs behind Mark Ingram. That, you, you could um, reliably or, or credibly make that call. So it's, it's, it's ugly. It's, it sucks to see it, see it go that way. Um, but it is something that can be cleaned up. You know, you, you, can, you can cut down on turnovers. You, you can focus on your ball security. And you, you can try and bounce back. So 
Saints, fingers crossed that the Saints figure it out here. Uh, they've got a full week to work with before they go to Carolina. Well, one thing I did want to see, John, was the Brady presser at the end because, you know, it's like, you know, you exercise the demons. You won a game in New Orleans. You know, you, you finally got the monkey off your back. Like, I wanted to see, like, what his reaction was to it. And the dude looked miserable. In pregame, he looked miserable on the field. He looked miserable postgame. He yeah. did one of his famous two less than two minute pressers, John, where he was out of there like after a loss when he's pissed. So he's still a miserable man even after winning this game against the Saints. So something tells me Brady didn't really feel good about it. Yeah, and I guess that is some consolation I can take. Like, um, yeah, yeah, you know, he 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 won a game against this opponent that's really uh, had his goat for a, <laughs> had his goat um, for, for for a while now. Good one, and. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, mean, I know he sleeps on, on a mattress, uh, just just stuffed with money every night. But hey, it is what it is. You know, he, he's still upset at how this game turned, at how he performed in this game. Um, he, he he was fumbling uh, footballs. He was uh, fumbling tablets on the sidelines. So that, that is some consolation we can take. It at least Tom Brady was was kind of miserable on on the afternoon. So we'll see him again in December, and you know, hopefully that that game goes better for the Saints than this one did. Yeah, no one no one makes Tom Brady turn into a toddler quite like the Saints do, and it is uh, it is uncanny. <laughs> uh, it is uncanny. So, you know, if the offense can perform a little bit better, I think the Saints will be in business. I don't think the defense uh, – I think they, they did their thing against Brady. Yeah. Uh, they held it down. There's I got no beef with the defense. We need the O to improve. Will it improve this week against Carolina? We'll get into that game, that matchup. Saints – they're going to be favorites on the road. We'll tell you by how much. But first, our friends over at the Bet Slippin' Podcast have a play of the week. Check this out. Free advice. And then John and I will be right back. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, hello. This is Nathan Beagley here with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm here to break down the Packers Bucks as our game of the week. We are using odds provided by Typico Sportsbook. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus. See site for details. Get your bonus today at usabet.com slash podcast. All right, on to the game. The Bucks have won two straight low-scoring, grinded-out type games, and their defense is the real deal. They're led by an elite secondary and a front line that is the most sacks per game in the NFL. Mike Evans out will open up a favorably price point for Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, and a nasty defense. The Bucks were 8-2 and two against the spread as home favorites last season and should keep that success rolling this year. Take Bucks minus 2.5 against the Packers this Sunday. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. The Saints are three-and-a-half-point road favorites going to Carolina. The, the Panthers, John, are a team that have not improved all that much after adding Baker Mayfield, right? Putting him under center. They've already lost games to the Cleveland Browns and the New York football Giants, and now they're uh, dogs at home to the Saints by three-and-a-half. What do you think about these Carolina Panthers, and what do you think about the Saints bouncing back against this team? Man, if, if you wouldn't tell me who the opponent is, I would say, oh, this is, good. This is a great... Uh, get right game for the, the for the Saints. You know they've been a better team on the road than at home in recent years. They, 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 uh, it, seriously, they have a higher uh, winning percentage in, in uh, away games uh, than, than home games in the Superdome uh, recently. And I think that's because they play a, a 
they feel the need to play a brand of football that is maybe better suited to their strengths in more of a hostile environment than at home in the dome. So we'll see if that if that trend continues here. Um, what gives me pause is that this is the Panthers. This game is in Carol. This game is in Carolina, and it, it's a divisional uh, rivalry game. Really, I mean, you know, I, I rag on the Bucks not being real rivals with the Saints all the time. Um, you know, the hatred with, with Atlanta is well established there, but Carolina has done the work. You know, uh, they've made this a competitive rivalry, and and they've made for some really fun games and frustrating games for the Saints over the years. Uh, they beat the Saints like twenty to seven in Week Two last year. So, or in, yeah, yeah, week two last year. Um, now, granted, that was a game where the Saints were down like eight coaches on offense uh, due to COVID protocols. So it, it, that was a factor, I think. Um, but still, this, this, this is a, you know, kind of a rough matchup for New Orleans where you have a Panthers defense that rings pressure, that has a lot of very talented athletes up front who can rush from different alignments, who can move all over the place, um, who can cover different parts of the field. They've invested a ton of resources in that secondary. Um, it's not going to be an easy challenge. It's not going to be an easy matchup for the Saints. I do think this will be a close game, and I can totally see them dropping it here. I mean, we've seen it before with the Panthers team. So you, you got to hope that the defense can contain Christian McCaffrey, that they can keep Baker Mayfield from finding his footing, um, and that they, they can do enough to – uh, you know, possibly make some make some uh, takeaways and get the offense in position to score some points. So we'll see if that's that, we'll see how it goes. But I'm not as optimistic about this matchup as it would be if it were you know a team that the Saints don't play twice a year. Yep. No, you always have a lot of respect for the NFC South. There's no question about it, John. You always do. That's something that you're very consistent about. That right when it's Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa, you like you you even though you'll never pick the Bucks. Um, you know, you always have a lot of respect for those teams. So I, I do, I, I do appreciate that for sure. Um, so I'm going to take you know, <laughs> one thing I didn't mention there, like, like something that informs that the Saints have, have gone six and zero in the division only once mm-hmm. since it was founded. Um, like they are going to lose games to division opponents that, that, you know, it, it, it was, what's the, uh, I believe it's the Muhammad Ali quote, um, you know, waves pound the sand and birds fly through the air and the Saints lose games that they should win against division rivals. <laughs> yeah. To like, like the Falcons or Panthers, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That that's how, that's just how it goes, and it's something you got to accept and prepare for. And you know, ho- hopefully that hopefully that won't be the case on Sunday, but it, it's something that's definitely on our radar. The Saints are favored by more than a field goal on the road against this division rival, so uh, it's a tough number to back, especially with the way the offense is playing, especially with Jameis being banged up and not not really knowing a lot. So I think. If folks are looking to bet this game, you should be on Saints Wired. Get the latest. Make sure you get that Sunday morning news drop. Get that thing on your plate before you make any type of wager um, and see if this line moves at all. But I, I do want to say the maybe the total is informing us a little bit here on what we could expect, John. 40 and a half. It's a very low number. So just a defensive slugfest is kind of what is being expected out there in the market, right? 40 and a half is a low number. There are lower numbers out there. Um, the Brown Steelers, which is a, just a showdown between Jacoby Brissett and Mitch Trubisky. That one's down at 38 and a half. Yeah, that one's down at 38 and a half. This one a little bit higher at 40. But uh, that tells me that it's going to be a defensive like kind of rock fight, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's, a, that's a good read on it. Um, you know, the Panthers, I don't think they have 20 points in them. The Saints, on paper, they should uh, <laughs> be able to score that many points. I, their offense is too talented not 
to go the distance each week. Um, but they've just had too many issues in execution, inconsistent play at quarterback, uh, pass protection has been all over the place. And, um, I, I, yeah, I could, I could see this being kind of a low-scoring game um, with like a uh, some, somebody winning by a field goal 18-15 to 15 or something like this. Like, that would not shock me one bit. Yeah, my gut, my gut feeling says to go with the Saints. Um, I just feel like they got more talent, and they'll figure it out. I don't, think, I don't think the Panthers are playing that good of football right now. I don't. I'm not a believer in Baker Mayfield. I was a little disappointed in the big game in Week One, John, against Cleveland. I was actually pulling for Baker Mayfield. I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to see Baker Mayfield stick it to Cleveland a little bit here. Uh, but they lost the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they lost that game. So I was like, ah, oh, come on. And then. You know, they weren't much better against the Giants last week. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not feeling the Panthers with Baker Mayfield right now. I think they're still trying to figure it out themselves. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good read on it. And the, the clock is well is very is quick is clicking very quickly on uh, Carolina. You know, Matt Rule. I don't know that he makes it to the end of the season as head coach there. Agreed. Um, yep. Baker's kind of uh, stuck with him, um, it, and that's been the case for him. Where he, he's been stuck with like lame duck after lame duck at, at head coach in the NFL. Um, I, I know that's I know that's just how the Browns conduct business, but that's still it's not not great. Um, full disclosure here: I was a huge Baker Mayfield guy coming when he was coming out of Oklahoma. Um, I was very high on him in the, in the draft. Had very high hopes and expectations for him. Uh, so for him to crash and burn the way that he has, it's just been very disappointing for me personally. Um, so I am still kind of rooting for the guy, just not in this game, not with this team. Um, hope, hope he gets right somewhere. I don't think it's going to happen in Carolina, and I don't think it's going to happen against the Saints on Sunday. So I'll, I'll take New Orleans by a field goal, um, but I, I'm not expecting to, to uh, see a lot of uh, plays from the Saints offense on the highlight reel just yet. Yep, yep, I'm with you there. So there's John Sigler. Make sure you're checking out his stuff on Saints Wire. His correspondents are great. Um, just that, that's where you got to be during the week because there's so much changes between now when we record and when the game kicks off with this team, there there will be news between now and then, and we'll jump on it next week. Uh, So for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this, this time hit subscribe for us. If you haven't already, and uh, we'll catch you next week to talk saints Panthers. Looking forward to it. Hey, John, have a good weekend, man. Thanks bud. You as well. And you enjoy the uh, start of fall here. Finally. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.